We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa dematis Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of The Connection. You just couldn't wait to say good morning, could you? I could not. I know. It's a great thing. It is a great thing. Are you a morning person? Um, yes and no. After coffee, yes. Before coffee, no. See, I'm not a coffee drinker, and I'm not a morning person. I'm not an afternoon person, and I'm, a I'm ni- not I'm a night person. I'm a night person. You're a night person? I, oh, God, yeah. I wake up again if I don't go to sleep by a certain time. I'm, uh-huh. like, wired. Really? Oh, yeah. Isn't it funny how everybody's different that way? I could sleep I can't. 14, 15 hours I a night. I can't do that. If, if I could only <laughs> get away with it. If I have five hours, that's, but it's, I've always been like that. Wow. I know. Well, you only need what you need, I guess. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I don't know. Every every other day, a new study is coming out saying you have to have at least like seven hours of sleep. I know. Because your brain needs that too. And you're you know you're busy when you're the CEO of a a major organization like the Connection. I mean, I'm sure that it's hard to get your your brain to even stop for a minute. I think all women, it's hard yeah. for our brain to mm-hmm. stop. We play many roles. We do. So it's not just that. It's you know mother, daughter yeah. of an eight, you know elderly mother who's you know falling and all this stuff's happening. It's a lot. Oh my gosh. Speaking of elderly parents, I should show you this visual that I should have brought into the studio, but I literally have a big clear baggie, the gallon size, not the sandwich size, but the gallon size with five flip phones, SIM cards, batteries, chargers. My dad can't figure out which one is his phone. So I've been charging batteries, putting in SIM cards, trying to figure it out for a week. So when we leave here, I'm going to the AT&T store, and it's going to be their problem because I can't figure it out. How in the hell he has five flip phones, let alone one flip phone? Like who? But he wants his flip phone. My mother, too. You know what I want to do? This is so horrendous. It's so falling apart. I just want to crack it in half so she has to get another phone. But I'm not going to do that. No, that's malicious. I know, but it's falling apart. I know. And even to get a new one, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. I don't even know how she uses it. Right. But when they're used to something, especially uh, at I an know. older age, you know, it really messes them up to switch things up. Mm-hmm. So the funny thing is I'm going to take my baggie of phones and I'm going to go figure out, because he can't go without a phone. That's the other thing. It's a safety net oh, at that I know, age. I so know. you got to, it's not that anybody calls him. It's, that, you know, just in case he needs to call. So anyway, I don't know, even know why. Because it's like, I just think that's one of those funny things that you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> oh, I could write a book. We should write a book together. About but, elderly no, parents. No, you We know, love you all, but it's hard. We do. We should have people our age each write a chapter. On their experience, we would have a New York Times bestseller. All right. 
All right. So hold that thought. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, because we want to get to our guest. Colette Anderson is here. Hi, Colette. Hello. Hi. She's the executive director of the Connecticut Women's Consortium, and it's so great to have you on the program today. We were sharing stories before the show about we both, we have something in common, and that is that we both have six-year-old granddaughters. Yes, yes absolutely. That are wonderful. That's what keeps us sane, right? Mm -hmm. Moments like that mm -hmm. and having those relationships. So let's talk a little bit about the Connecticut Women's Consortium and what it is that you do. Well, we are probably one of the larger training entities in Connecticut, providing behavioral health training on a number of topics. Um, originally started specific around women's issues, but as we started to work with the specific, you know, things that women need to be um, receiving care for, realized that the other people who are in their lives, their children, their spouses, their partners, have also been affected, and however they're affected by mental illness also affects the women. So we started to broaden some of the topics that we're doing, and we probably put on over 100 events a year at our office with different behavioral health training topics, most specifically around trauma, um, um, domestic violence, uh, human trafficking, things that um, affect women's lives. Yeah, it, the, it's a very, very robust catalog, and I look forward to getting it all the time, and our staff go, and I've gone, and Colette does a wonderful job to engage some of the best trainers, really, from all over the country, right? Yes. To come in and really speak on, you know, specific topics that all of us need to learn how to not only take care of ourselves as providers, but also how to take care of the clients that we all serve. So these are provider sessions, right? So you're yes. educating the mm -hmm. providers who are then supplying the service. They're open to the public, though. So we do, yeah. we do a series we call our Healing Art Series, which brings in more holistic practices. And for those, a lot of times people who are in the community will attend. We do a film series also now, and then the film series is open to the public. It's free. We just did the IF project this week where we brought in a detective from Seattle, Washington, Fantastic. who did this wonderful um, uh, video uh, movie about um, women incarcerated in the Seattle prison. And um, she came to Connecticut to talk about that, show the film, and actually tell us about the work that she's doing about helping women who've been incarcerated. So it's pretty broad. And we meet some of these speakers at different events that we go to around the country. So I met her last year in California when she was showing the film at an, uh, a conference called the Adult and Juvenile Female Offender Conference. So we're always going to events to try to bring the best folks into Connecticut, so to broaden our view of what's going on around the country. Wow. I mean, that sounds like something I'd like to go see. I love that kind of thing. It's, fa it's fabulous. The so, curriculum is amazing. It so, really, really is. So if people want to get on your mailing list and actually get the publication or, you know, go on your website of where these events are posted, what's the best way to do that, Colette? From the website, there is a way to sign up to be on our mailing list. So they can go to www.womensconsortium.org, and they can sign up to be on our mailing list. We use a constant contest flyers, and we broadcast that out to any of the people who are on our list, which is pretty robust. Mm -hmm. Do you have any big events or speakers coming up in the, you know, next couple of months? I know it's the end of summer, but... August is a little uh, quiet. A lot of people are on vacation, so we intentionally did not schedule a lot, but our July to December catalog is pretty robust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, a couple of large events we do each year, so um, we have a, a special topic occurring at Quinnipiac University around veterans, and we're bringing in a national speaker for that. We're currently working on another national conference that'll be next spring, the uh, 
uh, Stephanie Covington Curriculum Conference we're going to bring back to oh, Connecticut. Great. It was such a success last year that she asked me to do it again, so I'm doing that. And um, she has some curriculum she's wrote specific. Well, she, she most, mostly started working by going into um, women's prisons around the country and started to write about women's issues. And then she realized because of what she was doing, she really needed to get some men on board and write some curriculum for men. So she has a, a vast array of curriculum that we use to um, train behavioral health clinicians to use these models here in Connecticut. So ha hosting it in Connecticut, people will come from all over the country as well as internationally. But being here in Connecticut allows people from Connecticut to come and, and really get that rich curriculum training. So we're looking forward to that. I, I I believe that, you know, the um, Connecticut, Connecticut Women's Consortium is really an amazing resource center for so many things. And how wonderful to be in Connecticut and have this, um, you know, the ability to, to receive this training is, I feel like we're so far ahead, Colette, don't you, in Connecticut in yeah. so many ways? People often ask me, you know, is there something like this in our state? And I really haven't found anything similar there isn't. in any other state that I've traveled to. So it is Such it is cutting unique. edge. It's very unique. And, and Colette, I've known Colette a long time, and she's very passionate about trauma and, you know, um, She's go come out and, you know, trained many of us, right, mm -hmm. on gender-specific training, but not only for men but for women, but also, you know, as I said, has these get these speakers that are really phenomenal. You know, I, I, I look at the curriculum and I think I got to get to that, you know. It's great. Even personally, I saw there was something about a aging that I saw. Yep. What was that training <laughs> called? It's about it's, – it was a training for about – folks who have That's aging right. parents. Yes, there was. <laughs> oh, so, and so I, there you go. Let's go I to the next to go, one. I wanted to go to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Next, next, next one. I had a conflict, but I thought, wow, I really <laughs> would love to go you to You got to make it a priority. Right. Colette, let's talk a little bit about your TAG initiative, which is trauma and gender. So what is that all about? So um, the state of Connecticut, through the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, um, selected some specific uh, models of treatment they wanted in Connecticut. And this goes back probably 15, 18 mm -hmm. years ago. And when we brought those models into the clinics in Connecticut, they started to talk about, you know, what would it look like to have a trauma center of excellence? And at the time, I was working for the state at Western Connecticut Mental Health Network, and our Torrington office that I was running applied. And we got some um, technical assistance, and we brought in some folks from D.C., from the Community Connection, and we started to look into what is trauma-informed care. And at the same time, we were talking with Stephanie Covington around the gender work she was doing, and kind of on parallel tracks, it kind of came together for us. Um, and I um, really, really wanted to work with systems change in organizations and how, to, how does an agency change their culture and what they're doing to be trauma-informed and gender-specific. So over time, we've developed a curriculum, um, an actual, we call it our TAG toolkit, and we have selected agencies through an, an RFQ process. It's free to the agencies, and we've had it funded through the Department of Mental Health. We've had it funded through um, uh, grants from community foundations. And the most recent version that we're doing, which we're calling Women and Children's Tag, is funded through Hope and Grace Foundation, which is part of the philosophy brand Cosmetic, who puts wow. a, sets aside money. Um, and we went after a grant with them, and they're doing the women and children's model right now. So what we do is we bring in all the tools that we've developed over these many years. And the connection actually came through the initiative we when did. we did our criminal justice mm -hmm. track. So they were selected. It was fantastic. And they not only did they come through and do it for the criminal 
justice components, but they rolled it out through their whole organization, which wow. was really magnificent, being how big Connection is. Uh, so we were really impressed with the work they did. And so each of the models that we've done, we've added some different materials to it, but we really help the agencies understand what it is to be trauma-informed, which t is very different from trauma-specific services. Exactly. So there's services, but then there's a culture of an environmental shift to make your organization have things that make people more comfortable about coming to see you. I'll give you an easy example. Sure. You go to the doctor and you go up to that glass window and you tell them or you sign a piece of paper and they sh shut mm -hmm. that door in your face and you kind of have this like visceral yeah. reaction like what is it about me that they just did that thing to me? So that's your first impression of this office. So if you're going to have your first impression be that, how do you change that first contact at an agency? where you sit, where the restroom, exactly. is it explained where the restroom is, you know, mm -hmm. getting something for somebody who comes in to make them feel comfortable in your organization. So it's from the beginning, even the first phone call. That's really interesting because I was at an organization uh, for a doctor's appointment and it was a little intimidating because it was mental health related mm -hmm. and the same thing happened to me. And I just remember thinking how awkward because you know you're all there for that you know, and how awkward that that person, I can see it in a regular doctor's office, like a, a you know, if you're physically ill, they don't want to get the germs or something and that's why they do it. I don't know. But I felt so shut out. Right. And then so awkward in that waiting room, as you could tell, everybody else felt like, you know, you just look at each other like, oh, I wonder why they're here. Oh, I wonder why she's here. Why is he here? It was just deplorable. I well, do, go ahead. I do um, call it um, and feel that the what has really helped the agency with the, the TAG initiative is everything we do now, we're always saying, right? But we, Beth is sitting here, Beth Connor, um, my strategy officer, is joining us in the room. Hi, Beth. And every time we do something, we're saying, is that trauma-informed? You know, everything from every handout, every moment when someone walks in the office, how you talk to someone, how you sit in your chair, I mean, every single thing, it's so important to do that because, let me tell you why, not just the doctor's appointment, but for the staff. Because if we don't treat the staff and teach the staff how to be trauma-informed and have an environment, how are they going to do their job and then be trauma-informed with the client? So it's practicing that on a regular basis. And we're, oh, we say it every day. Is this trauma-informed? Oh, that was, you know, I, I said something this way as opposed to that way, which is very different. And it's more receptive to people and feeling that they're valued and cared about. Yeah, so, you know, once you get this and you really understand the different concepts that we teach during the um, training, you can't stop seeing it. So mm -hmm. you start to notice it everywhere you go. So I exactly. recently had some dental work. And I, and the dentist, I was watching how he explained to me the process of what I was going to go through. And you start to think things through and talk to people who are in the general public. And I said to him afterwards, you know, I was concerned that in a dental office, you might just do these things to me and not explain them. And I said to him, I don't know if you've had training on being trauma-informed, but the way you explain everything was really helpful for me because if I had been a woman who'd been victimized and you came at me with these utensils and started to put them in my mouth in this thing you put over my, you know. Oh, wow. You know, so, yeah. so, you know, people don't realize that if somebody's a trauma survivor, everywhere they go, they're impacted Correct. by it, you know. See, where they, I wouldn't even think of that. Where they park mm -hmm. their car, what they right? do to get ready to just walk through our, you know, their it's day. It's so huge. It is. It's very huge. And, you know, two quick examples. One of my staff that was involved in the TAG initiative, 
she was going through, she and I were going through a personal crisis. I was going through a health, I'm fine, but I was going through a health crisis. Her daughter was going through a health crisis. And we both shared, we reflected on the TAG initiative, Colette, because this is when we were rolling it out, we were into it. And we both talked about at the moment of fear on the opposite side of the fence, right, not being the quote-unquote, you know, consumers, clients that we serve, feeling so vulnerable and that person who made a difference. The person in the parking lot who was helpful to say park here, realizing you're going to a cancer center, you know, going to get a, a film in radiology, this was my story, and feeling so frustrated and not knowing what to do and someone taking my hand and walking me through that. And the woman who did that for me goes to the same nail place that I go. I had to pay for her nails. And I said to her, I said, Victoria, you have no, no idea. She didn't even remember me. And she said, but it's my job. I said, I don't think you understand. I explained to her the work that I did. I mm -hmm. talked to her about trauma-informed. Yes. And she said, yes, they are trained, but aren't we supposed to value people? And I said, mm -hmm. I cannot tell you the difference you made in my life. Oh. And that's what we're trying yep. to do. Mm -hmm. And Colette's been such a big supporter of this initiative that, you know, it's really spread like wildfire. Yes, and just in and just in general in public alone. It's 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 interesting sometimes, isn't it, how a lot of this training should just be part of our thinking. But it's not. I know like, you know, I'm in the program, right? And I'll go to a meeting and I'll think, why don't we talk about this or why isn't this practiced by everybody in everyday life? And when my daughter comes to visit, sometimes she'll go to a meeting, a 12-step meeting with me too, and she'll go, I needed that. And she's not in recovery. Right. It just helps you put things in perspective. And then, you know, it's just it's it's just better way of thinking at things. Like what you said about the dentist, I would have never thought about that. And triggers, right? We all have triggers. Mm -hmm. Whether you're in recovery from alcohol or drugs or domestic violence, you've suffered that. There's always got to be a trigger. It can be anything. It can be a smell. It could be a long list of things. It could be a long exactly. list of things. It could be a smell. It could be a sound. It could be a color. Mm -hmm. It could be so many different things. You just never know and we have to keep that in mind I believe when we interact with people that we think should aren't behaving the, the way they should we don't know what they're going through right we I mean, don't know what they've you gone don't. through you really don't even in the grocery store line you're standing with people and you see how anxious people come yeah. when they have to mm -hmm. wait mm -hmm. and sometimes the worst in people comes out in those lines and Agreed. how do we try to have like customer service no matter where we go so if to be trauma-informed it's thinking through we don't know what life experience that person comes right. to us with so we have to teach you know treat everybody with this compassion and you know Customer service, mm -hmm. thinking about customer service at every aspect of what we do. If you're just tuning in, we're, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Colette Anderson. Colette is the executive director of the Connecticut Women's Consortium, but it's so much more than that. You know, it's one of those things where don't you wish you could kind of change your name someday? <laughs> <laughs> but that's a whole nother topic. Oh, that's a whole nother brand. It comes up a lot. Thing. It comes up a lot, right? So, um, and you know, things are changing out in society. You know, you used to deal with males and females, and now there's new terminology and there's new approaches to people who are in transition or, you know, I just... Another word that I recently learned that I was told is the word to use is gender queer. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that are going on out there that also kind of fit into how do you approach these people and the issues 
that they're dealing with. Yeah, we're no longer in a society where it's male, female, and we really have to think about the whole spectrum of gender. And these issues are coming up, especially in our treatment facilities, as people are transitioning to be a different gender than their birth gender. And how do we receive them and how open and comfortable are we talking about those issues? So we try to think about, you know, first helping our staff understand the difference between male and female, but then everything else that comes in between. And there's so much more going on in society, which is bringing this forward. You know, we're hearing about, you know, how do you advertise your restrooms? Uh, it's been on the news. It's been in the mm -hmm. media. Everywhere exactly. you go, it's like, is there a gender-neutral bathroom that anybody can use? Um, most places of business, um, you know, they're set up male, female, and that leaves people having to make a choice. And sometimes people aren't really accepting of what the person's choice is, but people do have the choice to use whichever restroom they choose. Oh, when there's a line at the ladies' room, man, I'm in the men's room in a hot second. Yes, yes. But that's a different but issue. But thanks to the tag initiative that we went through and rolled out and rolling out in our organization when we set up our new office on Chapel Street, the signage, we really got into what is trauma-informed and what isn't. The bathrooms, the areas, how does it sound? Is it offensive, you know? And so people don't feel like, oh, I'm not welcome in there because it says such and such on the door. So, I mean, it's really an amazing experience to go through. I have the notebook, by the way, mm -hmm. and I look at it frequently. It's in my office. It's right there next to my phone, and I'll flip through it and, and look at it. And it was it's such a comprehensive um, binder of information that's really helpful. And the piece on gender is, is still evolving. So we're still working. This year we're working with True Colors to try to help yes. us more with that piece of it because mm -hmm. – um, you know, the original consultants came from a co-ed organization and a female-dominated organization. So right now, True Colors is an organization in Connecticut that really works with um, the LGBTQ and all of the spectrum. So we're asking them to come in and to bring some of the folks that they're working with to help better inform our work. So How can you do it if in isolation? Right. You've and got we, to hear from the people that are living. And we had them on our show. Oh, you did? We had True Colors yes. on our show. Yes. So I learned yeah. so much. Yes. It was yes. fantastic. I learned so much. And, and I need to learn because I, I, I live, I'm an I live in a bit of a bubble. You know, yep. I do. I, yep. I'll admit it. I'm just not. So I want to learn and I want to know and I want to know how to be more accepting and more open to life as we are going to know it in the future. I mean, it's here and, and these are people and this is the way it's going to be, folks. So. And it's so hard to not use he, she. I know. Right? So when you try to practice your language and you start to think about, have you ever come up to somebody and you thought they were a male or a female and then once you were talking to yes. them, you realized you had their yes. gender wrong? Mm -hmm. So it's not up to us to identify someone's gender. It's up to them to say what their pronoun is right. and to teach us what they want to be called. How do otherwise, you do that, though? Otherwise, don't use one at all, which is really hard. Oh, yeah. I try to work on it, and it's not that easy. No, it isn't. It isn't. And I've made mistakes. You know, I've, I've said something to a person and then they turn around and I realize I might have got it wrong. So now I say it to the person. So I, I had a person turn around. I thought, I thought it was a young woman. Turned around. I thought it might be a young man. Wasn't really sure. And I said, I'm sorry I used a pronoun that might have offended you. And, I, you know, I'm trying to be more mindful of that. And the person looked so startled. They're like, wow. People don't usually just say that to right, me, you know, right. that kind of thing. And, and, and the person said, I appreciate that you made that comment. So what was the answer? The person didn't tell me. Ah. The person didn't tell me. They didn't feel the need to. They just knew that I, I realized that I might have had it wrong and that I addressed it mm -hmm. um, versus just letting it go, which I think most people would just say, mm, I might have just made a mistake, but I don't know. Yeah, right. That's so interesting. There's just so much to learn. And and so, I mean, where are we headed? What else is coming our way? Because you're in the thick of it. You know, you see how things are evolving and you see what social issues are emerging. 
what's next? I, I think the biggest thing for Connecticut right now is the whole opioid epidemic. So, oh, yes. you know, we're, we have a um, MAT, MAT conference mm -hmm. that we're putting on in September for partnering with the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services and SAMHSA. Um, DCF is involved, uh, bringing some of the national presenters in to talk about the opioid crisis and other treatment modalities that we could be using to improve in that area. Uh, Connecticut has not had a decrease in the, um, the deaths by opioids, um, so that is a big problem for us. And so spending more time thinking about alternative treatment models and things that we could be doing for those folks is really huge on our radar. Well, did you just see on the news where there was an overdose and the officer was exposed to mo so much opioid? Or fentanyl. Fentanyl, excuse me, that um, they had to give, I think it was a he, they had to mm -hmm. give him um, two, two Narcan. Oh, wow. Injections. I hadn't heard that. The EMS people and saved his life, not only that, but the, the, person, the person who overdosed. So, you know, this isn't just the addict's problem anymore. This no. is society's problem. And I don't know. I mean, I hope something like that, conferences, open discussions, you know, sharing solutions with not only inner agencies here in Connecticut, but nationally. This isn't just our problem. That's correct. Do you remember when we had Brian Foley on and he talked yeah. about mm -hmm. that, that their dogs, the dogs also mm -hmm. died of fentanyl, mm -hmm. that that was an issue? Oh, a police officer's dog? Yeah. Yeah, wow. police officer's dog. Brian wow. Foley was the public information officer turned uh, TV news reporter now at Fox 61. Yeah. Yeah. I knew he had a face for television. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but he, in all seriousness, he was sharing that story too. So it's like, it's like anything else. It's like, you know, alcohol. You know, but, you know, right now opioids are taking, yes. the, taking yes. the spotlight, but, but there's so many other issues that trickle down always, from that. There's too. always more issues. The other, the other thing that's really on our radar is, you know, um, the stuff that's going on in the workplace around sexual harassment. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the media, there's all these issues around women being sexually uh, assaulted or, you know, asked to do things and, and how to make that uh, improved in the workplace and the, the basic training that's out there is around sexual harassment and it's mandatory training for managers and how do we change the workplace culture around the oh, issues man, that are no. going on. So that's my that's my next thing where I'm heading in terms of what I want to well, be I working have on. An, I want to have a whole other program on that because i got to tell you, yeah. we only have about three minutes I left. I experienced that way but back you know, in but the beginning you know of my career. That's that, you know, and I'm not downplaying it. I'm not saying it's all right, but come on, we're overreacting, I believe, in my opinion. It's like, thank goodness, Baldwin Media is not in corporate America. Because if I had hidden videos, not that I harass people, or it's nothing, you know, brutal like that. But, you know, it's just, sometimes we've become uber sensitive. I believe we've become uber sensitive. And you can totally disagree with me, but I'm not even going to go any further because we're going to do another show on that. Yes. Because I think you and I are going to be yin and yang on we that are. one. We are. We're going to be yin and yang. Yin and yang. I mean, we might even get into a fight. That's okay. I still love you anyway. I love you too. But I am so sick of it. It's like I just I, I don't I know. I think I think that all right. This is that we better save it. We're gonna have we're gonna okay, have right. another, another host show. This is another heated show. We're the beauty have. of it though is I got to state my opinion and you didn't, so we'll save that. Oh. <laughs> wow! I see how this goes. Oh. It's our show. Wow. No, it's okay. We do it together. It's okay. We can we we care. We about can it. agree to disagree. We agree, yes. we agree yes. to disagree. We do. And that's all right. And and really the pe the reason I even brought it up is because yeah. Why did you bring? It I brought up? it up. I brought it up because <laughs> I think people don't realize that. Um, we need to make a change in how we're 
teaching about this to the people in the um, offices, not just take it from a sexual harassment in the workplace type of training, that there needs something more around the whole way that we're enculturated, getting back to gender, mm -hmm. and how women perceive things differently than and males, men. and then how that affects them in the workplace. Oh my gosh. And you know, you wonder why no one holds a door open for a woman anymore. This is exactly one of the reasons, because it's just, you know, is it politically correct? Hell yes, it is. If I'm standing there in a cute dress and some gentleman wants to open my door, please do. All right, another topic. We're not going to get into this. All right, so we have about a minute left. Again, we're talking with Colette Anderson. And uh, so, Colette, what can people do? I, again, you said go to your website um, at the Connecticut Women's Consortium if they want to sign up for your newsletters, information. It sounds like there's some programming there for everybody. Oh, it's fantastic. And you'd be surprised sometimes when you just think, eh, I'm not sure if that's in my wheelhouse or not. Right. You go, wow, am I so glad that I that I went to this. So so there's a Trauma Matters newsletter that we put out quarterly, and mm -hmm. all the back issues are there for people to look Great. at. Um, there's the website with our, our trainings that are coming up and we have some online learning that people can take nice. courses that we record. So we video record, you know, some of our heavier topics mm -hmm. and there are now about 25 online training courses that people can take online so they don't have to leave their home. People sometimes prefer to do it on the computer. Sure. Uh, and then they have the information for a whole year. So if they want to go back and look at the material. So we're filming um, some of our, you know, uh, prominent folks that we're bringing in That's from fantastic. other states. So we maybe can't bring in every day, but right. then we, we have the material living on our website. So that's that's really good. And Colette, your office is located in Hamden, my old stomping ground, my where I was born and raised. And it's in a beautiful building, and it's very comfortable. And do you want to let folks know where you're located? We're on the corner of Whitney and Dixwell. Mm -hmm. I know where that um, is. Right behind Mickey's Restaurant. People uh -huh. know Mickey's. Yes. And there's a big parking garage behind us. Um, so it's pretty easy to find. Okay. Well, that's great. It was uh, it was a great conversation. We covered a lot of ground, and we'll have to get you back and keep us posted on, you know, especially you can come here and educate me because I need it, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful to have Colette come back, and thank you so much, Colette, for thank being you. here today. Again, Colette's the Executive Director of the Women's Connecticut Women's Consortium, and uh, please go to their website and look up the wonderful um, catalog they have for trainings. Absolutely. And we want to thank you, our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this program as much as we did. And Lisa and I will be back same time, same place right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.